some in audio and either your pastor or you one, not both of you Baptists because you, you preach this opposite of one another. But anyway, uh, she said she had never heard a spiritual, scriptural sermon on Thanksgiving. Her pastor said, you know, that uh, he don't believe in bringing holidays into the church. I said, well, if I was talking to him, I wouldn't worry about uh, bringing Thanksgiving into the, to the church. We ought to be thankful every time we enter the church that we have someone who will preach the gospel and then we have a church to go to and to be a part of. But tonight we want to study the second death. Uh, one may die the first death more than once. You know, Lazarus, Dorcas, uh, you know, there are several that in the Bible that they died and Christ bring them back alive and they died again but the second death is eternal we're talking about the uh, second death is, is not the end of one's existence or annihilation of any more than the first death we talk to people who say well you know when I die it's all over you know they'll put me in the ground the body will deteriorate and that's all of it but, uh, of course, that's not Bible. The second death, I'm going to go through the first death. You know, when God saved us, we died of, of our natural belief and what's going on. But first, but the first and second death are passing from a temporal mode of living. When my wife died, 15 months ago, she didn't cease to live. She's living now. Everybody that's ever died, saved or lost, is living now. The only question is, do you want to spend eternity in hell or eternity in glory? But we don't hear much about the second death. But every one of us is going to face it. The question is, have we prepared? You know, both the first and second death are the passing from a temporal mode of living. We relate that to a poor boy, a poor girl that was brought up poor and got some breaks and now they're making, you know, a lot of money. They pass from one standard of living to another standard of living but they didn't cease to exist. The man or woman's on the streets tonight begging for food, they still exist, and they got a soul. But what I want to spend such a short time tonight on is the fact of the second death. Man is an eternal creature. You know, matter of fact, I talked to a fellow and I don't want to take all the time in trying this, but they're putting new water, uh, new water, yeah, meters in our uh, county over there in Nicholas County. And uh, they had an older guy that was 
going to door to door telling people, you know, and that's what we're doing. So he was a talker. He just started uh, uh, talking, and and uh, he uh, asked me if I was saved. I said, yeah, I believe I am. He said, you know, a lot of people say they are, but they aren't. I said, yeah, there's more of them than it is me, you know, because I didn't know whether he's saved or not because about every other word came a little curse word. You know, and I don't believe that uh, saved people can curse, but saved people don't curse as a way of life. They just don't do it. I mean, when God washes you in the blood, that comes out. But we got talking anyway. I never did tell him I, I was a preacher or pastor. He just he just kept talking, a little curse word here and a little curse word there. And I asked him, I said, uh, you go to church? He said, yeah, we got a small church down in Pendleton County that we go to. We just got a new pastor. And he uh, he's really big on the NIV. I said, is he? I said, uh, if I marked some scriptures for you, Give them to you, you write them down. You ought to ask your preacher to turn in that NIV and read them to you. He said, why? Because they're not there. <laughs> there are scriptures in the King James that's not in the NIV. So he said, well, I, I notice sometimes when he preaches, I have a hard time following it. Yeah, because the King James is God-breathed. The NIV is man-breathed. Now, he said, you seem to know a lot of Bible. I said, well, I ought to. Don't know whether I do or not. But I've been preaching, you know, about 55 years. So I've picked up word here, the word there. He said, do you think a man can be saved and not know it? Uh, well, you know, that's an old, old question. But I said, if a man was saved, do you think he wouldn't want to know it? Don't you think he'd want somebody else to know it? And then he made this statement. Well, we're all going to die, and we really don't know until that last breath is taken away from us where we're going. I said, for many, that will be too late. And that's really what got me on the thought, so I spent the last couple of days looking at this, the second death. The fact of the second death. There is a second death. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. Now, as we read this and we see it in, in God's Word, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11, God says, He that hath a year, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So I said, as you see, there is a second death. You're going to die once, but you're going to die again. 
Notice, not only in Revelation 2, 11, let's go to the back of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. As we look in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, and we notice in verse 8, God said, But the fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. You know, man, I probably shouldn't say this, but you think you might as well say it. Not going to be many politicians going to be in glory if lying will send you to hell. I believe that. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but you know me, if I think something, I say it, especially if I back it up with, with God's word. God said very clearly all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Was this the second death? Now, there's two ways we can lie. We can lie through talking, saying things, or we can lie through action. Anytime a man is married to a woman, or a woman is married to a man, and she tells him, he tells him, we love you, but yet he's seeing somebody else on the side, he's a liar. You see it, S.D.? God said, you know, you ask people who are unfaithful to their spouse, well, you know, everybody does it. You know, we just go out and, you know, have a little fun. Nothing, you know, serious about it. Well, let's go back and see what God said. Now, he said, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. Well, what about abominable? It means if I do something that God says is abomination. Are you with me? Then he said, murderers. I think that when a lady takes and have a baby aborted, there was no physical reason. There was no mental reason. She didn't want that baby anymore. She's a murderer. Amen. And I'll preach that to God take me out of here. He said, and whoremonger, and sorcerer, and idolater, and all liars. You know what is a way that so many people lie and never think about it? When they say I'm a child of God and I live like the world. Think about that in a while. I say I'm saved. I tell the world that I'm saved. I tell my, my wife, my husband, my family, my neighbors. I'm on my way to glory. But I live like a lost man. What did God say? He said in sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with brimstone, which is the second death. It's the second death. It is to be feared. I think that, you know, I'm, 
I don't know if I'm the only one in this room. I, I think he did a great work. God used him. But Billy Graham was not one of my favorite preachers because he was not consistent. But I'll probably never accomplish as much as he did. But when we look at the word of God and we look at Matthew chapter 16, Matthew the 16th chapter, notice what God said now, yeah? In the 16th chapter of the book of of, uh, yeah, I'll get out here in a minute. And when God says there's a second death, it is feared. So Matthew chapter 10, let's get our scriptures right here. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, God says this. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell? Only one, right? That man is Jesus Christ. That God is Jesus Christ. And he says, you know, that we are to look at that 28 verse and said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus Christ, he's a giver of life. He's a taker of life. Everybody, there's a second death. We soothe our own selves that when somebody, somebody that we love, somebody that we knew, it's amazing that we fool ourselves by saying, you know, he lived like a lost man all the time. Oh, he wasn't a drug addict. He wasn't a whoremonger. But he just lied as a way of life. He stole as a way of life. He was unfaithful to his wife as a way of life. We could go on and on and on. God said, you know why God can save what he said? Because saved people won't do that as a way of life. Not as a way of life. Any of us in this room is capable of committing any sin, we will tell ourselves, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Look back on your life for just a second or so. You ever done anything that you couldn't believe that you did it? But you did it. And your only hope is being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, It is the requiring of the soul. Turn with me in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12 and verse 20. Luke 12, 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, 
this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? I mean, I'm like any other man. When I got married, I wanted a house for my wife and family. I wanted to be able to protect them. I want to be able to supply for them. That's normal. But what about their souls? You say, well, they won't listen. You don't know what God's going to do with them later on. That's God's business. Our business is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So at the first death, man gives up his body and spirit, but keeps his own soul. Second point. What transpires at the second death? We know that when my wife passed away, we had our funeral and we took up to the graveside and, you know, we purchased a small piece of land that they could put her in. Got a marker so that we know who's buried there. But what about her soul? Matthew 16, you know, and verse 26 says, For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or he said, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? tell you what I did and what I believe everybody else does we may not be conscious of it so that I would save my soul I dedicated my life to him while I'm here you can't have one kind of life while you're here that is not pleasing to the Lord and expect to save your soul, it won't happen. That soul is part, but the only thing we see is this body. We believe that the person is a Christian by what they do. We believe he's not a Christian by what he doesn't do. But that's confusing because we will look at somebody and, and if anybody's saved, John Doe is. What about his soul? Is the man that lives inside of John Doe is the same man we see? Think about it now. 
Genau. My daughter, bless her heart, she's, uh, you know, she called me and I said, I haven't called you today because it's your job to fix dinner tomorrow, so I don't want to interrupt you, you know. And she sort of laughed and we had a little joke over it. But she asked me a question. I said, you know, I'm going to study in the morning early so I can feed my soul and then I'm going to come over to your house and fill my flesh. But if my soul is right, I'll be thankful for that meal. I'll be thankful for that meal. It's like those little Jewish women that you see on the TV if you see them. They starved once. Now they're old enough that they're starving now. All they want is just some food. And then there's some religious man that said, do you believe that's really happening? Yeah, I do. Well, why would you believe that? Because God's word predicts it. If we live long enough, the United States will be that way. But the war can't bother my spirit. And the war can't bother my soul. <coughs> See, after the first death, a soul restrains full conscience and full mental and physical faculties. You ever heard that before? You remember, sure, a week or so ago, I told you when I uh, worked for Joe Todd Hall and he was married to the Tuckers at his and he said, you ever seen a man in bomb? I said, no. He said, well, we're going to embalm one tonight. You want you to come and watch. You know, and you walk in that room, it's all cold, and you're sitting there talking, and all at once that body just raises right up off the table. Now, God says, after the first death, the soul, it uh, remains. Let's look at Luke. Luke 16, 19. Luke 16, 19. Follow along now. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up 
his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Lazarus, you know, he went to glory. This man went to hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He went from earth to hell. He lifted up his eyes so the soul can still see, the soul can still hear. With uh, This is not, I'm not saying this happens, but it's certainly something to think about. When somebody dies and you beside their, beside them, you're in the hospital or you're at home, like, uh, you know. My wife died in my arms and we both went down on the floor and I called 911 and they said, well, you know, you, you do the, uh, you know how to do it? Yeah, I know how to do it. So you sat there and you, you know, she's dead. But not all of them did. Absent from the body were present with the Lord. Although she's in glory at the judgment seat of God, she's going to have a body that we can see. And she's going to give account of her life. This is a saved person. We don't like to think about the judgment seat. We said, oh, the great white throne judgment, you know, and God let that lost man's life flash before his eyes. Your life's going to flash before your eyes too. And you're going to see when you had opportunity and didn't take that opportunity. Because, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I just don't, I think it's a personal choice. What well, sure it is. Right? This is ham. This is turkey. I've got a choice. There's heaven, there's hell. I've got a choice. And most people will say, oh, Brother Ryan, uh, I've got plenty of time. And I had to go back to that same, here's my two brothers, Fred and Gene. Fred didn't even make it a month. 
Jean died about 18 months. They didn't live long enough to do anything wrong. They didn't go to hell because they were a drunk, a, a murderer, a thief. They were still babies. We're both of them now in glory. But why do I use that illustration? Everybody's going to die if they're not raptured. And let me tell you, which you already know, I know, because if you heard me preach any at all, you, you've heard it, you may not believe it, but you heard it. This body ain't going nowhere. This body ain't going to hell, and this body ain't going to glory. That's why that when I first started preaching, God called me to preach. I was, my mom was still living, and she would always say, be sure you got on clean shorts, boy. And we just sort of smiled at that and laughed at that. But if I was to die right now, this body, and somebody didn't hurry up and test me, would hit the floor, and they'd worry about going to bruise the body, but I wouldn't be there. Before Steve would even get up off the chair, I was already in glory. But his body wasn't. After the first death, a soul retains full consciousness. I mean, how can we deny that when, when we just read it here in Luke 16? Both of these men died, and they both seen each other for a period of time. We know that. We would go to the book of Psalms when David lost his baby. David said, you not coming back to me, I've got to go to you. If I want to see my two brothers, I just go to them. They're not coming back here. You want to see your mama, your daddy, you think they're saved? That's another reason. It won't get you to heaven, but if that's the only reason you want to go. But when God saves you, Everything about you now belongs to the Lord. Body, soul, and spirit. You go out, you buy a new outfit, and you, know, you don't have to ask me if I like it. You don't have to ask nobody if you like it. I guess you can ask your husband or wife. But you better ask God. You better ask God. Because God speaks a whole lot on every subject that we don't want the preacher teaching on. He then stopped preaching and started meddling. Then why is it in here? Why did God say, give us that account there in Luke 16, 19 through 31, that plainly states, Lazarus and the rest of the man went to hell. 
but they died on earth. But their soul was in hell, and they talked to each other. One is in hell, one is in heaven. That's the last time that Lazarus will see that rich man, the rich man won't see Lazarus. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. God said this. Sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. And we look at verse 9. Revelation 6, verse 9. God said, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. God said, These people, these souls underneath of the reason they died because they were saved. Wasn't that what he said? He said, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. He saw. It's not a mystery. If, if he didn't see him, you know, maybe he would have said, these were. But you can't see a soul. But you can see a soul when they first die. If God wants you to see a soul, and, and it's very clear to me that here in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. In other words, they were killed because of what they believed. Question is, are you ready to die for what you believe? Well, Billy Graham said in a sermon one time, if, you, if you're not ready to live for him, you're not ready to die for him. God makes it very clear here. After the first death, a soul retains some consciousness. We see that in Luke 16, 1931, and Revelation 6, 9 through 10. I mean, it's, it's, it's plain. It said, and in verse 10 of Revelation 6, it said, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? See, when you take somebody's life, even if the court sets you free, God's going to deal with you. And I say this because it's the truth. I, I wish this wasn't true personally. When you have children, you ought to live different because God may deal with your kids through you. What parent wouldn't want to suffer 
before they see their kids suffer. But God doesn't always do that. Sins that I committed, he may pass that on to one of my grandkids. I remember the first time one of my sisters, I preached that, and she came to me and said, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. God knows how to get our attention. Does he not? You know. Every time that anybody had surgery and they're put to sleep, it's the grace of God that they wake up. You may say, oh, I, ha- I got a good doctor. That dollar and a half gets you coke. It is God that gives life. It's God that takes life. The second death is the escape of the soul from hell to stand at the white throne judgment and then to be cast into the lake of fire. You're going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment and your life will fold right between before you. All the years I've been here, we've taught the book of Revelation three times. I've asked the Lord give me an opportunity to preach it again because he showed me more now than he, he did the first times. We're going to stand before God. You know. And God says, the second death is an escape of the soul from hell to stand at the white throne judgment. You know. I heard preachers preach. I've heard them take scripture out of context that says, you know, that old rich man never left hell. He's still down there. I'm telling you, that rich man is going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And if my mom is saved and my dad is saved and I know my two brothers are saved, they will stand before God at the judgment seat. See, it's not such I'm doing what I think is best. This is the guideline. We always say, when I was coming, I will, son, you know, that and 25 cents will buy you a Coke. Well, nothing will change what God says here in the Bible. This is the permanent abode of the lost where one will never again behold any aspect of life. Notice as we prepare to close here in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. God said, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. 
and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Now, we understand what the book of life is. What about that first book? God, he don't have to write it down. He knows it. He's all-knowing. Everything that I do, why did I do it? But the main book is God. uh, The books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their what? Well, I'm, I'm afraid that I do something wrong, so I just ain't going to do nothing. I would say that in a cold glass of water in hell would tend you first, but there will be no cold water in hell. Isn't it amazing that we want to take part of the verse literal, part of the Bible literal? We take John 3, 16, so to love it. Most people have no idea what it's talking about, but... Anyway, they love that verse, but when it comes over here in Revelation, I can't understand Revelations. Yeah, you can. It was just like when I was taking French at, in high school. You know, I had to take a foreign language. I didn't care nothing about French. You know, I just wanted to pass. Pass with D minus, I'd happy. Dealing with God is not like that. God don't have no exceptions because I was born with a hole in my heart. He didn't have he didn't have any exceptions at all. He requires me to keep the law perfectly, and I was smart enough to know I couldn't do that. So I accepted Christ as my Savior, and He did it for me. What did the songwriter say? I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what the word said. I am what I am by the grace of God. A person asked me that a couple weeks ago. Don't you feel really privileged that you went through two open heart surgery and you had a spleen taken out and you was in the hospital for 40 some days about that? You know, it went on and on. Lucky? No, I wasn't lucky. That's probably one of the questions I'm going to ask him, but I I doubt that that will be important when I get up there. Everything that happened to me was needful for me to be where I am now. That's why he said, all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Who are the call according to what? His purpose. You know, it's, people say, well, I want to find a church where I can be used, where I can do my thing. God is not interested in my thing. He's interested in me doing his thing. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you.